0: All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, fuckadelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Maron. This is the podcast. This is my podcast. This is WTF, the podcast with the name and the uh, profile pic. That, that pick. the WTF, what do you call that? Uh, Avatar? Or a thumbnail, or whatever the hell it is on iTunes, has been the same since day one. We haven't changed it with half of my face and my long hair and the glasses I haven't worn in a decade. I, we've left it like that. There was something about it. We got so committed to it. A lot of people change up, change their picture, change the uh, the branding, but we just we just couldn't let it go. We didn't let it go. We just there was something about that turquoise man. There was something about that color and the weird half a head. That was taken from a painting that a guy named Nathan Smith did a long time ago. But it, it just stayed in. It stayed on. Pow! Look out. I just shit my pants. Just JustCoffee.coop. There's an old-timey plug. I guess I'm going back. I guess I'm stuck in a nostalgia m- mode. I have been, actually. I have been stuck in... I don't know if it's a nostalgia mode. I don't know if it's a mel- melancholy. How, how about we just call it Reflection? God knows we've got time to reflect. And I've been a little surprised lately at uh, my feelings about my past me. It's a, it's a little it's, it's upsetting in a way. But uh, today, a couple of things I want to tell you. First, today I will tell you that we have Zach Braff on the show. You know him from Scrubs and Garden State. He also hosts a uh, podcast. Fake doctors, real friends with his Scrubs co-star Donald Faison. He's also in the upcoming movie The Comeback Trail with Robert De Niro, Tommy Lee Jones, and Morgan Freeman. I don't know. I think they pushed that, so that'll be out when it's out. Other thing I need to tell you is that if you're looking for those WTF mugs, it's holiday time, and the hand-thrown ceramic mugs that are generally only given to guests who come to my house and appear on the show. Uh, there, there's a new batch coming up. They're made by Brian Jones, and they're going to be available. These are the handmade mugs that I give my guests. So right now, getting these mugs from Brian Jones is the only way that you can get them. These are unique items. And a portion of the sales of these mugs go to the Connecticut Food Bank just go to BrianRjones.com slash shop while they're still in stock. They go very quickly and they're beautiful. All right? So there's that. I guess what I'm finding, and this is like, and I'm meditating, folks. I'm I'm in yeah, you know, I've been doing it now for a couple of weeks. But I'm finding that uh the gnawing thing that happens to me and i don't know if this happens to you is that you know when i think back on things when I, even when i think back at the like the, the beginnings of this show or things i did when i was younger just getting to where i am just shows or or trying things or doing things is i'm amazed how fucking angry i can be at myself for not knowing how to do something or for doing something in a way that I didn't think was great or I didn't think was good or I thought was embarrassing. I think my entire life has been a, a personal war against embarrassment. And I, nobody wins that. Nobody wins that war. But I think that there, for some reason in my dumb head, I've always, if and this is what I'm really thinking about when I'm taking apart my psychology, when I'm just breaking myself down, it's just this idea of, of being embarrassed, of being laughed at, of being too weird. And ultimately it comes down to being vulnerable. It becomes down to, you know, being exposed but I don't know when I really think about some of the risks I've taken and some of the things I've done creatively and personally, I'm very hard on myself looking back like you idiot. That was fucking sad. That was ridiculous. Why'd you do that? I mean, like, you know better now or you know more now you wouldn't do that today. Jesus Christ. That is fucking pathetic. That was embarrassing. That was like terrible. And I'm just surprised I do that. Why can't I give myself a goddamn break? Why can't I give myself a retroactive break? Why can't I give myself a fucking pardon? You didn't commit no crime, dude. You, you were just bad at something. You just did something that was silly or you did something that made you feel too, uh, too vulnerable or too uh, exposed or, or, or you got laughed at for the wrong reason. This goes all the way back, man. There are memories I have that are ridiculous. Just, you know, ridiculous. And, like, I have a memory. Jesus Christ. This is the dumbest memory. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even know how old I was. But, like, I was in some sort of summer art class that my mother had signed us up for at the university. I get like, a few hours a day. I don't know, I must have been, I don't know, 10. And I show up at this class maybe a little late and, uh, you know, they're they're making tortillas. That was the project. And all I could think was like, you know, of I just wanted to eat a tortilla. Like I got there and they're making these hot tortillas and, you know, so I just grabbed one and ate it. But I didn't know that they were kind of making shapes with them or making things out of the tortillas so i just fucking wolfed down this tortilla with this group of kids i didn't know and a dumb art teacher or craft teacher and uh you know they finished making them and i already ate one and the teacher just goes hey who ate the elephant who ate the elephant and i didn't know that you know we were making art with the tortillas i just wanted to eat a tortilla and i fucking ate the elephant i ate it Did I say that I ate it? I don't think I did. I just sat there like an idiot, knowing I ate the elephant. And listen to how I talk about that kid. Fucking guy, I didn't know. I walked into it. I was hungry. I was chubby. I just want to eat a fucking tortilla. Who ate the elephant? I guess I did. I guess I I didn't know. I didn't know we were making art. I just was hungry. I don't like the way my mom makes food. I ate the elephant. It was me. What are you going to do to me? Are you going to shame me for being an elephant eater? Don't bother. I'm on it. I'm on it. I have to assume that the reason I'm I'm being so hard on myself retroactively, it's because I'm going to start shooting today on this movie and it's been a while since i've been on a set it's been a while since i've acted i don't always feel like i can but i went out there on friday to their location to uh to get a COVID test and to also like do this still photo for the set and i met my my daughter and my granddaughter and it, it was great it was kind of interesting to, like that feeling of driving onto a set of you know getting ready to do the work yeah you know, that's why I fucking I cannot stand people that condescend to the business of filmmaking or TV making or just sort of like you Hollywood types, you actors. It's like you get to a set, you drive up, you see the sign, the little coded sign pointing to where you go to base camp and there's a security guy there tells you where to go and you just see the you see it all happening man you see the trucks you see people scrambling with lights you see people you know you see extras sitting six feet apart uh over by catering you just see the trailers you just see like this whole little universe of of work on all levels, you know, coming down from the, the director to the actor, to the gaffer to the lights, the electricians to, you know, PAs, hair, makeup. It's a little city of of employment and of creativity. And it was kind of great driving onto one and realizing like this, I understand this. I haven't been on one of these in a while, but like somehow or another, I've done a lot of this in the last decade and uh, and you just feel your body or my body. I felt my body just switching into like, all right, we're gonna do the work. We're gonna make a. We're gonna tell a story. We're gonna make a movie. I'm gonna make a guy up that's probably kind of like me. And I don't know how that guy's gonna interact with these other made up people, but that might be fun. So I'm trying to get it in my brain that it's gonna be exciting and fun. Maybe it will be. But goddamn, I beat myself up. And uh, I just, I'm trying to figure out how to stop that. I think that's been the journey. The one man's war against embarrassment. I mean, when you think about it, what is the one thing you can do to try to fight embarrassment is get on stage and try to make people laugh. You're going to beat it out of you. After a certain point, you know, you don't. it doesn't matter if they're laughing with you or at you. You can probably control either of those after a certain point with a certain skill set, with a little craft. My mother was one of the most embarrassing people I knew. She embarrassed me constantly. And she made me feel like I was embarrassing. I'm not mad at her for it. I guess it was a gift. If my mother didn't make me feel like a mediocre, chubby piece of shit through most of my life and if she didn't do things in front of other people that made me embarrassed i might not have the amazing career i have today in my war against embarrassment but i don't care anymore see i think that's also what's happening is that I've been doing a lot of these Instagram lives, which are kind of interesting because I speak freely and I also do things that I wouldn't do on a stand up stage or in front of people live necessarily, even on television. I sing. I speak in a tone that's a little more candid. There's just something about engaging in that process that's kind of helped me accept more of uh, who I am and who I was. And after coming out of those, that that makes me feel a little exposed. But I think it's going to help ultimately. I think it's all about dragging that fucking chubby kid into the present and just making him sit uncomfortably with himself within me while we meditate. So listen, Zach Braff. He's in a new movie. Uh, it's uh, called The Comeback Trail with Robert De Niro, Tommy Lee Jones, and Morgan Freeman. It's set to come out sometime next year. So look for that. Uh, he hosts the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with his scrub co-star, Donald Faison. Uh, you can get that wherever you get podcasts. And I, was, I didn't know what to expect. I knew he was probably a, a good guy. But I was like, I want to meet him, though. And he, you know, he, he wants to meet me. And you know what? We had a great talk. Great guy. New Jersey he actually talks like a New Jerseyan a New Jersey native with the real New Jersey accent real New Jersey accent and he reminded me of some of my relatives so this is me talking to Zach Braff I pictured you in your
1: garage it looks like you got a fancy setup
0: this is a garage that's a fancy setup. I moved, and the garage was sort of built into a room, and then I—I I made it in. I had to make it into a house, kind of. Got it. So it's not really a studio; it's more of a, a house. And I've got sound panels up so the noise doesn't bounce around.
1: Hold on, let me get the squeaky toy away from my puppy. Stand by. Hey, no.
0: How old is that puppy? I
1: got a, um, a 10-month-old puppy that's just been spayed two days ago. So she's got a big foam thing around her neck, and she's pissed off. And I have to constantly be apologizing to her.
0: You just got the puppy. Did you have a dog, another dog?
1: I did. I just lost a dog I had for 17 years, um, a little guy named Roscoe. I had to put him down, which is the first time I've ever had to do anything like that. But it was clear that it was time. He was blind and deaf and um, starting to have seizures.
0: Um, I do that with a couple of cats in the last year 216 16-year-old cats. It's the worst.
1: It's really horrible I mean, I'd seen it in the movies, but I'd never done the hold the thing you love most in the world while they inject death medicine into it
0: It's terrible man.
1: Yeah, um, but I but but I was clear it had to be done I it was it, it wasn't one of those things. I was I was shocked It was the day cuz I brought him in to be like why is he having so many seizures and the vet beautiful? Sweetheart of a guy said you know he said exactly what he needed to say it was like what what what's your plan for this animal this animals is 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 it's not really fair anymore right and 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 that kind of really hit i knew it was coming but i didn't know it was that day <laughs> right. you know and yeah. uh and so um we just did it we, we 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 uh we we you know we went in and said our goodbyes and then did it
0: yeah i i had the same experience the first like i've been through a few cats but these these last two, like, I just wanted to be there, you know, for it. And like, uh, in both times I went to the vet thinking like, well, we'll see, but there's probably a good chance. This is it. Like knowing in my guts, like even with the last guy monkey, you know, the vet was like, look, we could give him this and that. And, you know, he would probably live a little longer, but what are we doing? Yeah. You know,
1: you come sometimes need in all aspects of your life. The person who goes, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> but and if a vet says it, it's like it, it's not in their best interest financially to tell you to. Right. You know what I mean? So that's a good vet that says. You that.
1: sometimes need someone to push you over the edge and sort of see the thing you're not seeing. I mean, here's this 17 year old animal who's blind and deaf and having seizures. You know, but you're, you know, I'm holding on for me, not for the animal.
0: I know. know, and it's weird because, like, what do you ho- like? I was sitting there going, "What am I hold? What am I holding out for? I mean, what?" What do I think is going to happen after yeah. a certain point? It's like, they're not going to get better. It's yeah. they're old, but you're going to wake just, up and
1: be like, wait a minute.
0: I'm fine.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you're re- but really- you really
1: know did. They, when he came, when they brought him in, they, uh, when they, so they say he was really just on death's door and they said, okay, have you say your goodbye and we'll come in and give the medicine when you're, when you're ready. So we were hugging him and we're kissing him and we go, okay, it's time. They come in, the doctor comes in, he stands up and starts wagging his tail. And we're like you what are you doing dude you're not helping us at
0: all (laughs) no exactly but that but it gets to that point where it's like well they had a good day they had a good hour look he's walking like he used to yeah and that's what you're holding on to and it's it's crazy it's a crazy lesson yeah i mean there but you know it's like i think you and i have have had a lot of loss in this last year yeah uh and it's like brutal
1: it is it is I've lost um, in the last couple of years I lost my father who was 84 and at least of old age I lost my sister to uh, an aneurysm and I just really? lost my friend to, to COVID. Um, so it's I've had a lot of death in my life I, and, and and during 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 this insane pandemic time it's it's been a real challenge for mental health
0: <laughs> I know I, you know uh, like I, obviously I was following the stories about your friend Nick because it became sort of a you know a, just a, the focus of what the disease was what could possibly happen mm. it was sort of hanging on you know the public case of his you know uh hospitalization mm. and you showing up for him and and it's just you know and my my girlfriend died of something I else I know yeah, I had uh, met
1: I had met uh Lynn I was lucky yeah. enough. I, had lu- I was lucky enough to have met her
0: and it's just like you know I don't want you know I don't want us to both end up crying too much but but yeah, but the, it's it's very hard to sort of find your way through it. And, and you had his wife and, and kid there too, huh?
1: Yeah. So it, um, I won't. We don't have to go down the whole rabbit hole, but just the cliff notes are that they, they had they were falling in love with L.A. They wanted to live in Laurel Canyon. They they loved yeah. you know he he loved rock and roll and the history of Laurel Canyon and rock and roll, and that was their dream. You know, there's a. Great, How did you
0: know him? We
1: did a Broadway show together. We did. Um, Woody Allen uh, uh, turned oh, the Bullets Over turned the bullets Broadway, over Broadway the, the movie, into a big yeah. musical. okay. And everybody thought it was going to be an enormous hit. And he was the Chaz Terry character, and I was the uh, John Cusack character. Right. And um, it was all, the most fun I ever had in my life. Um yeah. wasn't a huge critical success, so it didn't last that long. But the friendships that I made there, uh, one with him and then with the woman he fell in love with on the show, a dancer right, named Amanda. Um, they, they became my best friends and they, um, decided to move out to LA and and I have a guest house in in my, in my yard. So I said, guys, you know, don't pay me a dime. Live here while you, while you search, live here for six, seven months while you figure out LA. Right. Um, because I, it's win-win you guys get to live for free and look around and I get to have two of my best friends and their baby in my yard. Right. And, um, they were just, you know, adorable and happy and new baby and looking for houses and just on cloud nine and they found a house um yeah and uh and that he went home to pack into they both went home to pack and he must have contracted it while in new york Oh, um, Jesus. And he came back and had a, a very quick um, – very quickly needed to be hospitalized. So right after it all went down, I had them in my home. So my girlfriend and I and, and friends in the neighborhood became the – she didn't have her family here. Her family couldn't travel. We became the support group, the community for her. Um, and 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 everyone in, in the neighborhood and and all of our friends just became – uh her 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 family until her family could actually come and and help as well wow that's
0: that's so heavy and where's she now she go home or
1: she no she um she's um staying in the house you know she she was of course debating as anyone would do i want to live in this house that we just bought um right um, but she's decided to stay and um she loves it here and she knows that nick would want her to to be here so she's she's staying she's you know um running running her business to try and keep everything afloat and of course you know i'm 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 here to help them if they need anything
0: well that's good yeah it's like this time is so brutal and to, to be saddled with grief and the reflection that you the time you have to sit in it is is it's profound on one level and and i think it's probably uh A very pure form of grief but on another level it's just you know with the world weighing down on you on top of the grief it's like holy shit and then
1: and then i don't know about you but i'm i i it's almost like cutting how much i read the the news and the politics and and watch everything and it's it's you know one could choose i'm not that person to not engage so much in the political discourse but that that almost is is harder i i can't turn my eye to it so i feel like i'm 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 torturing myself
0: no yeah it's just like crushing it's like i can't breathe some days dude i yeah. can't breathe yeah. it's like it's taking the wind out of me yeah I, I i'm can, exhausted I know. I know and it's fucked up it's so funny i don't know what to do i mean what well, yeah yeah exactly what can you do? We're does, doing- my, does
1: my fucking retweet on Twitter mean anything? No, it, I don't think it does. I'm just preaching to the choir, and the people who fucking are MAGA and 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 already hate me are just going to unfollow me or, or say something shitty. So I don't know. I think you're just screaming. And I, I once got to sit with uh, David Seamus, who was who who's runs uh, Obama's. Um, Foundation, Yeah. And it's just one of the smartest men. I wish he'd run for president one day, but he said, absolutely no fucking way. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but he's just a genius. And he said, yeah. you know, this whole social media thing, it's, it's, you know, a lot of it, he said, is just screaming into your own echo chamber. No one, it's, 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 it's sort of pointless. It may, it might yeah. rally, it might rally a few people that may not have been rallied, but you're not changing anybody's minds.
0: Yeah. And, and most of the time you're just making it worse. You just let, you giving yourself a reason to get more angry because I don't know how sensitive you are, but trolls are trolls, and you learn how to to deal with it and shut it off and not engage. But it's like every time you put one of those things out in the world, you're like, oh, hey, here it comes. Here yeah. comes something that's going to punch me. Yeah. But I'll just like I'll try to I'll try to be above it.
1: Right. But that's impossible because they they know how to hit you and they know how to get you engaged and they know how to get <laughs> you <laughs> upset.
0: How do they get you upset? What's what's your button?
1: Oh, I don't know. They just they'll say you know. Oh, uh, this is why I don't watch your shitty movies or this is why, <laughs> you know, this is why that movie you made is a piece of shit. I mean, uh, not that yeah. that riles me up because I know that's just an easy grab, but I I, I, I don't know. I, I I, definitely can get riled um, oh, yeah. by them. And the, the, the thing I don't do anymore really is engage. I, I don't – I'll say what I say. People write what they write. If someone's horrible, I block them. But I don't. But I don't engage in a in a Twitter war right. anymore. No, no. I've grown out of that. Good.
0: Yeah. That's. A, I think that's the first step to getting off it altogether. I wish I had the fortitude.
1: Oh, dude! I've done breaks, like just like alcohol. I mean, I don't know about. You. I don't know uh, if you I'm drink sober, or not. Oh, you're sober. Oh, you're sober. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I knew that. Um, that's all right. I go through alcohol breaks when I'm like, hey, you're drinking a little too much, and I and I and I want to prove to myself that I can, like, right. You know, uh, obviously. So I'll, take a break. I'll take a break. Two, three months, whatever. Yeah. um and uh I, i've done the same thing with twitter because I, it's just as much of a fucking addiction as anything so you and, can
0: like you can you can you know, shut your page down for what you got two months before or you never shut it down no i, I don't you shut you it down
1: ha- just log out i don't turn the page off i'll just um uh, I, i'll go through periods where like i went to do a movie with uh, christopher walken up in in the middle of nowhere in canada when was and, this um this was a year ago and um, is it out uh, it's coming out. It's out in Canada, and it's it's a tiny little indie. I'm sure it'll come out on on streaming. It's called Percy. It's a, it's a true story about the, this tiny bumblefuck uh, farmer who took on Monsanto. Um,
0: and is it, did you direct it or just act in it?
1: I just acted, and I play his lawyer. Okay, um, so you're
0: up there, and you got off Twitter.
1: I was. I went up there, and I went. You know what? If I am this bumblefuck like meth farm town, and I'm drinking, and I'm on Twitter. Um, yeah. and it's cold, I'm going to get depressed. I just knew the ingredients.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the cocktail for depression? So, well, Next town, drinking, yeah. it's cold and dark. I'm
1: very, I'm very affected by the weather. So if it's like cold and rainy and I'm drinking too much and I'm re- reading too much Twitter, I just it sounds like a horrible recipe. So I committed to myself. I was there for two weeks, three weeks. I yeah. said, no, no booze, no Twitter. Yeah, and uh, and and I'm going to work out, and uh, it made a big difference. I I I, de- I didn't get I didn't get uh, melancholic.
0: Did you do the uh, working out?
1: Yeah, I, working out is key for me in mental health. I I I in order to stay keep my serotonin level above a above the right in in the right green zone, I need to work out.
0: I've been doing it too. I mean, I've been doing it more more diligently now. Like, and I'm old. I mean, how I'm I'm 57, and I'm working out like circuit training three days a week and hiking two days a week and i'm always fucking sore yeah but i don't know what it would be like if i didn't do that
1: but but dude you know you feel much better when you're doing it yeah it's a self-esteem thing it's a it's a it's a serotonin thing it's a dopamine do you have
0: serotonin problems
1: yeah i have had throughout times of my life Uh, like like
0: real depression
1: not like bedridden but 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 definitely, I've been I've been on um, antidepressants at times in my life for right. just feeling like. Um, but I, I have I have lots of psychologists in my family, so none of that was ever frowned upon or or uh, or, no. or, or, or looked down upon. So I yeah, there's been times in my life um, I've had some 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 periods of feeling really 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 low, and then sort of used used uh, SSRIs antidepressants to sort of get myself above water almost like a yeah. crutch and then get another, a little okay.
0: get a put a little floor down yeah just just get out <laughs> yeah.
1: of a get out of a hole and you know yeah. sometimes it's triggered by a, a death or sometimes it's triggered by you know sometimes yeah. I mean, the scary ones are triggered by nothing
0: <laughs> right That's the, just, or,
1: or you know you can work on what what is the source of this but uh, you know the probably the scariest one time i've been down is like my life is pretty amazing right now. What is going on? You know, uh,
0: it's, yeah, it's fucked up. Brains that's, are fucked up. That's
1: the scary one.
0: It's so funny. I talk to you, and like you know, my family's from Jersey. I can hear Jersey. Yeah, I can hear it. You have a real Jersey accent. People say I have a little one, but I don't have. I don't think I have one.
1: It's certain words um, are stronger, and and of course, when I talk to my family, it gets stronger. But uh, you know, words like coffee, dog, talk. <laughs> My yeah. sister used to be like, "Oh my god, uh, you guys, we got to get chocolate because I took the dog <laughs> on a walk."
0: <laughs> it's so specific. Yeah, it's very North Jersey. Yeah, it's really not New York. It's really its own thing. Which Jersey did you grow up in?
1: South Orange. Um, right, it's right next to Newark. Um, about forty-five minutes from um, from Manhattan.
0: Right. I grew up. I, I'm from. My family's was was in Jersey City. my father's family mother's family's in Morris County, I think, yeah, uh, you know Wayne're Wayne, where Wayne yeah, or
1: that's all around uh, me I yeah. you know we we grew up um you know, the commuter train was thirty minutes to Manhattan, so right we, we uh, you know we were su- we thought of ourselves as a suburb of Manhattan because we weren't really going to Newark for anything
0: um, well when you were growing up Newark was not there was nothing there to go there for
1: there was nothing there to go to and it was scary to us it was like yeah. it was a tough city that we had heard about but we there was no reason to ever go there right. It was the opposite yeah. of it. Man- it was the polar opposite of Manhattan. Manhattan was like, oh my god, we get to go to the big city! Holy shit, it's very
0: exciting. Yeah. yeah,
1: we're gonna go see plays. We're gonna go. We're gonna go to exciting things. We're gonna. You know, we're gonna go to an adventure. No one was ever like, we're
0: going to Newark on an adventure. <laughs> so, how did you grow up? Like, because like I met, I didn't realize that that uh, Jessica Curson was your sis- half sister. She's my
1: stepsister. Yeah. So my parents, but, uh, my 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 father married her mother. Um, when I was 13 and um, y- you know, she was always class clown of the, the family class clown, hilarious. And um, she wasn't, she went to college and didn't, she was going to be a social worker. And then, but everyone, she was so funny. Everyone kept saying, you got it. You should do stand up." And I've watched her career go from those things that we, where you had to bring people and we had to buy yeah. four drinks and all that. Right. It would like two people in the audience to a billboard of her with her, with her time, with her in Times Square, with her special that Bill Burr produced, I've watched that whole evolution happen for her, and um, there's nobody I know that that works harder.
0: Yeah, no, I love her. She's a, she's hilarious. She's a real character. Yeah. So, so how many kids? So, okay, so your parents got divorced when you were like eleven or twelve.
1: My parents got divorced when I was um, eight or so. Um, my my, and then my father started dating. Yeah. And it was very bizarre. We did joint custody, so my my mom moved in with a a man she was seeing, and she had a house. And then my father um, moved in with um, with no one, but he got an apartment. And and we and but the, he had fought hard for joint custody, so and he won it. So we did a week and a week every Sunday night. We there were four kids. Oldest went off to college. Second oldest was like, I'm 16. I'm not doing this bullshit. And, but me and my sister uh, would go every Sunday. We'd switch homes. They were both in the same school district, and um, we'd pack up all our shit and 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 move every Sunday. It was hard. So
0: your dad had the sad divorce apartment, and your mom had my, the house.
1: Yes, my dad had the so- sad divorce apartment, <laughs> and um, even more bizarre. And i got to put this in a movie one day. So yeah. my dad was was dating, and and had to you know was back out on the market. And so needed a pretty much need, and it was and was a trial attorney, very busy. So we needed a full time nanny, this Haitian woman named Jocelyn, who also yeah. had a young daughter. Um, she must have been six. Yeah. And so in the apartment, we would they would sleep on the she and her daughter would sleep on the fold out couch in the living room. My right. sister and I would share a bedroom, and my father would be in the other bedroom sometimes with whatever. Uh, Woman Lady. he was he was hanging out with. It's a, re-
0: it's a real party.
1: It was a it was a packed apartment and then and then and, 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 and uh, it was it was kind of insane. But uh
0: But that's so funny because he had the nanny because he didn't want he didn't want to let you guys stay at your mother's more than they that the, right. the, 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 she deserved in right. his mind.
1: Right. Right. And then so he's out working and then dating and we're packed into this house. It was a very surreal time. I hated it really um, because every Sunday I would we would pretty much cry because we'd gotten attached to that parent right and then you'd move and then you'd be grumpy and and, and a melancholic and then about Wednesday you'd be settled
0: right <laughs> <laughs> then I Sunday mean I really think
1: it's a source of anxiety uh, uh, for for me as an adult still because it was you know, without like clockwork on Sunday, something traumatic was going to happen.
0: <laughs> right, you knew it. Yeah, separation anxiety.
1: Yeah, because you do you do bond with that parent, and they had very different lifestyles. My mom was was living with this uh, man who she's still married to, who was a psychologist, and they they were they were homebodies and they were sort of you know hippy hi- hippies a bit. And my dad was like, you know, we're going out, we're going we're going to a restaurant with this new. Flight attendant, I met, and uh, this is Cheryl.
0: <laughs> Your dad was the the traditional midlife crisis guy.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, he was a master at at seducing flight attendants. Um, wow, I, I remember there were always like uniforms hung on the on the back of his bedroom door of like the woman he'd met on 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 the plane that trip,
0: and just the the sort of like fucked up boundaries of that. Do you know what I mean? Like now. Like I've you, in my life, I've dated a woman with a kid, and it's sort of like you know I don't want to meet the kid for six months. I you know like y- you know what I mean? It's like it's not fair. Yeah, you know if you're going to build a relationship with somebody, because then like God, what if he had gotten attached to one of them? We did, and
1: then we did. There was plenty of time we did get attached to them,
0: and then they go away, and then he would yeah. decide that it was over, and then you'd be you know that's yeah. more anxiety.
1: We there were definitely ones we liked more than others, and then eventually, the good news is, eventually he found the woman. Who my dad it, it needed therapy. It goes without saying at this point. he Eventually, started dating a therapist who was incredible, and we kids loved her because not only was she so fun and and beautiful and amazing, but she was also saying, "Listen, if if you want this to be real, you got to start doing some work on yourself because you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna commit to to you being the way you are now." So she started, and he was in, He was starting to fall in love, and this was the one. And he he was with her. He was with her till the day he died. Jessica's mother. Sorry, putting it all together, Jessica's mother. Um, right. So she kind of like was like, we. Uh, it's like the six million dollar man. Like we have the technology. We 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 will rebuild him. Yeah. And uh, and she turned him into a much more uh, mentally healthy man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they both ended up with therapists.
1: Oh, you understand? My mom is a. Uh, psychologist my stepfather's a psychologist my right. stepmother's a therapist my father was a lawyer who thought he was like a marriage counselor um, I, we were surrounded by all four of them uh, analyzing and weighing in on everything
0: and and there was like four kids uh, that you have three brothers and sisters and then there was how many stepbrothers and sisters
1: so I'd, I had um, I had in the original plan there were two brothers and an adopted sister um, yeah. she has since passed um, when they got remarried, on my dad's side, I gained two stepsisters, including Jessica Kirsten. and then on my mom's side, I gained a stepmother. So there were there were seven of us total.
0: And was this a, a Jewish undertaking?
1: Yes, very Jewy. <laughs> the Jew was
0: strong. <laughs> really? How strong? Like I mean, like well, when uh... we grew
1: up before they got divorced, my, my I grew up kosher, uh, conservative. Come on. Oh yeah. Here's an interesting thing. My dad was religious and felt my mom was not Jewish, and he said, "Look, I'm in love with you, but I can't marry a non-Jew. Will you have an Orthodox conversion? Like, that means like a no fucking around, like real conversion. Yeah, not like a here sign here now you're Jewish. Like she had to go do the work (laughs) and study with rabbi classes, all this stuff." But my mom was in love, and she didn't have any connection to to, to Protestantism, and yeah. so she did it. And then, and then I think this happens with a lot of people who who find a religion later yeah. in life. they're like, she was like, uh, "I'm all in." And then she ended up making him more Jewish. She, he wasn't kosher originally. That she happens was like, a lot. Yeah, she was like, "This is amazing." But let's if we're gonna do it, let's do it. And so they became kosher, they be, they he became president of the temple. They they got very very into it. Wow. And their whole community, their whole community was the temple.
0: That happens a lot though with converts. They make the they become more jewy. Yeah. Because like usually Jews, like middle class American Jews, are like I'm a Jew, could you be a Jew, but they're not really, you know, they just grew up Jewish.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean half- that's that's funny. I think a lot of people I I I had a bar mitzvah. My parents, you know, we we were kosher. Yeah, for, too. for a time, but then we weren't. We weren't going to temple regularly when I when, once I was. Uh, you know, we're not. My my father would get very religious around the high holy days. You know, that's when he really wanted to flex his 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 Jewishness. Yeah. You know,
0: um, and you didn't. Uh, and you didn't stick with it, really. I didn't. No,
1: not at all. I mean, I relate to the the. I love the food. I love the comedy. I love culture. The, yeah. The traditions. The culture of it all. Yeah. The inside yeah. jokes. Uh, Woody Allen, even though, you know, I know we're not allowed to talk about Woody Allen anymore, but I was raised on Woody Allen. I was raised on Mel Brooks. I was raised on, on, on Jewish humor, uh, that I love.
0: But, but the spiritual element, like, you know, for me, like it it comes down to, you know, what about that God, you know, and, and, and what about the context of the Jewish God? Like, I don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't know enough about it and I never followed any of the rules. I never understood the prayers. You know, even on my, you know, Torah and all the, I don't know any of it uh, in English. So, yeah. like, I don't, I never was, uh, I never had that relationship. It seems like people who grow up with Jesus, it's pretty simple to understand. Uh, the yeah. Jewish God, on the they other hand. Their,
1: they have their bullet points down better. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true.
1: And the iconography, the iconography is clear, you know.
0: Very clear and, and very practical to them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, ours like, I'm not sure, you know, what our relationship is. Or We you know, need who better we branding.
1: Is. We need better um, um, branding yeah. and uh, marketing.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. It's a little vague. I mean, I,
1: I act like we, like I'm trying to recruit. I mean, like, it is a little vague. It's, it, it, it's, you know, but, you know, I didn't know. I grew up in North Jersey where there were a lot of Jews. I went to, uh, then spent time in Manhattan, then went to school outside Chicago, then moved to L.A. I've always been in communities where that had a lot of Jews. I was shocked when I learned we were like two percent of the population and and shrinking um because i was always in communities with lots of jews
0: yeah that our generation's fucking it up this is the your generation my generation the one after they they want nothing to do with it it's not that important to them yeah they don't even know what the food is anymore they don't have that grandparent that's a first generation anymore right
1: that's true i believe that
0: so now when you with all this chaos outside of anxiety did did you find that you had other psychological problems with all this, like all these psychologists in the world in your family? I was—I
1: think I was depressed. I had some OCD. I was definitely doing the uh, some of the tap, you know, this tapping stuff that OCD kids do. Really? Oh yeah. So it,
0: it's a control thing. Like you—you you know, everything's—it's a little chaotic. You got to.
1: This is what you, I remember as a child, and and I'm yeah. sure there's people listening who either are still doing this or did this, but um, I remember thinking. I need to kiss that teddy bear goodbye six times. If I don't do it, I'm not positive something bad will happen, but it might. So just to cover my bases and be safe, I'm going to kiss the teddy bear six times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The weird thing about that type of thinking is like that you decided that the teddy bear kissing was the thing
1: that well that's just that, an example like, it could be there was a myriad of things but i'm saying that was what right. i remember no like, i
0: get it i get it but i it's curious what those choices are to to guarantee your safety for the rest of the day
1: right but i convinced myself as a child that i even as a child i knew this is ridiculous zach but just to be safe why not <laughs> it's just kind of it's actually kind of like praying for people it's like i don't right. know if i necessarily believe in this but just to cover my bases i'm gonna pray to god
0: no i did a joke about that about ocd requires its ritual yeah. And 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 there's ritual to it that, that you find comfort in. So yeah. it's not you know, I, I think that some religions, especially the more complicated ones, are are organized O C D around, you know, the ritual element is
1: comfort comfort. I've covered my bases. It's funny though that I guess in the OCD realm, you're, you you yourself in your own soul are making up what the tenets of the religion are. Do you know what I mean? Right.
0: They do like that's like I used to do a bit about the positive side of OCD. Is that you know every time you go back to check to see if you turn the gas off, you know every time that it's off, you get that same bit of relief. That yeah. Oh. <laughs> so like yeah, you know, that's not nothing.
1: Yeah, it's you know, like a dopamine hit. Right. So yeah, I, I did some of that stuff, and I, I I grew out of that. And 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 I um, but it's funny. I remember a, a psychi- psychiatrist when I was a child telling my parents, you know, this. He'll grow out of some of this, but some of this he'll be will we'll, he'll be dealing with his whole life.
0: And what what was it? I'm
1: just thinking it is a form of anxiety, and I mean every every human being has anxiety. I'm not I don't say that I'm, I'm abnormal normal anxiety. I just mean I think the OCD. I'm not tapping teddy bears anymore, tapping anything anymore. But I think that the roots of it, which are some you know anxiety based, are still uh, aspects of my life.
0: Yeah, I've, I've I, 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 I think I have, and I've talked about it a million times. I, like I realize that I'm not really a depressive as much as I am as anxiety person. Yeah, I give a lot of dread. You know, do you? And do you
1: um, sorry um, if you've spoken about this, but do you
0: meditate? I don't. I and I've been told to. Lynn used to. She was T M person, twice a day, or if not more. And I, you know, I'm a sober guy, and I know meditation is all part of it. I just don't. I don't know what it is, Zach, about my brain where it's like, I know that would probably be good. Why not just try that? You're exercising, you're doing all this other stuff. Why are you holding out?
1: You know what the thing is about when you reach our age, I'm, I'm 45, um, right? and I think you, 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 you know the things that are going to help or hurt you, <laughs> yeah. right? Sobriety yeah, has really helped you. Exercise right. has really helped you. right? Uh, I have my things. And it's like... I could lay out, in fact, I've done this. I had a friend who was having like a breakdown and I said, all right, I'm going to write you a menu of what you need to do. If you do this, I guarantee you, I'm not a psychologist, but I've been to plenty of therapy. If you do this menu, you're going to take some leaps forward. Obviously, go see someone professional, but here's a start.
0: What were they? Exercise, diet?
1: Um, I mean, in broad strokes, um, stop drinking, stop smoking weed, um, exercise every single day. Um, yeah. meditate twice a day, um, wow. jur- journaling, um, ah. writing everything down. That's, that, that you're stressed about, um, being in conversation with, with loved ones. There were a few others eating, eating right. Um, he did every single one. And then of course started seeing someone professional and now uh, he's n- now he's found true love and he's married and never been happier. I'm wow. not saying I saved his life. I'm just saying <laughs> I, was a, I was a crisis counselor for a second. That's all I'm saying. That's um, a big
0: list. It's a lot to do.
1: No, but what, I'm, what my point is to you is that I was thinking that, you know, you and I have reached a point where we know what works for us. And, and, yeah. then, and then, of course, there are things on top of that. They're like the bonus things. For me, it's meditate. I know if I, I – I haven't done TM yet, but I just use one of the apps. I know if I do that 20 minutes every morning – five days a week I, my anxiety is going to be noticeably less really now, can i can i always do that do i sometimes go Oh fuck it of course but but i can't but then if i'm anxious i have to call myself out and go dude did you fucking exercise D- did you drink too much did you meditate did you do the things on the checklist because then you have to take 100 percent responsibility for your own mental health yeah so and can't. i've been and i've
0: been jacking myself on coffee again i didn't well, drink coffee another, for a year yeah,
1: that's another one Ooh. That was another one on the list. No cough, no caffeine. As I, as I sit here drinking a Red Bull, by the way.
0: I got an addictive brain, so it's like I just do it all day until I'm exhausted. Can you sleep? Yeah, I sleep all right.
1: Yeah. Well, I think if you've given up booze, um, in my humble opinion, you should allow yourself some caffeine.
0: No, I'm, I'm good. So <laughs> when did you start the uh, performing business?
1: My dad did community theater um right around my god
0: jewish community theater
1: oh yeah very jewy community theater and he was good (laughs) because he was a trial attorney so he knew how to he knew how to entertain a room did he do
0: did he play uh tevye
1: um pretty close he did uh he did prisoner of second avenue the neil simon play um and then he did um he did uh hello dolly he was horace vandegilder wow um and you know he was good he would get the leads because yeah. he was he was charming and and uh, and so i was a little kid and i'd go watch him do the plays and i'd be like yeah. this is this is a job so you're saying yeah. some people don't just do this as their hobby this is a job you can have because i just thought it was the most i was watching my dad make a 500 people laugh and i was like that's the coolest thing i've ever seen how do i get into this yeah and i had no interest in sports at all couldn't be less interested. And so when it came to camp, which is very big on the East Coast, especially for Jews, um, they were like, you know, there are camps that aren't sports related, Zach. There are theater camps where you go and like you perform and you take classes. And I was into the tech theater, too, like lighting and stage set building. And he was like, you do all that. You build sets and you, you, you do anything. Stage combat. This is right when video cameras were starting to become popular. Like they even have video courses and... So I, fe- I went there to a place called Stage Door Manor in upstate New York, and I just was it was utopia. I, I I I had never been so happy in my whole life. It was a summer camp. It was a summer camp where you'd go for three week intervals. I went for six weeks. Every three weeks you would do a sh- you'd be put in a show. Every kid was put in a show. Yeah. And, and you rehearse the show and also take classes and also fall in love for the first time and also be up in the woods. And then and then you, and then you'd start again the next three week session and your parents would come up at the end of each of the three weeks and see the plays.
0: Yeah, I went to camp every year. I, I like I, I always wondered whether it was w- my parents wanting me to have new experiences or just wanting me out of the house. It was never <laughs> Probably both. Why can't it be both? It can be both. <laughs> I went to an arts and music camp in in Pennsylvania. That was the best one. What was it called? Lighthouse.
1: Okay. Because there was another one called French Woods that was very popular, too.
0: This was in, like, Potsdam, Pottsville. It was in Pennsylvania, and it was mostly uh, music. And uh, it was not, uh, there wasn't theater. It was all music and and painting and photography and ceramics, but no theater that I can remember. Right.
1: Well, mine was very musical theater, broadway Kind of show based I mean they did have non uh, musicals as well
0: how many years did you go i
1: went f- i went to f- I went to two different camps. I went for a total of uh, four summers but the the, the one that i 'm mentioning is because it was the most impactful I went to for two years and while I was there uh, and it was u- just it was utopia because it, 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 in public school, not playing sports, I, I, you know, I had friends because I was a class clown and and, and funny I think um, but i but, but i couldn 't get the girls because they weren 't that interested in me and and just is right when puberty's really kind of kicking in. And there I go to camp and I'm like, good. So I'm getting the leads. And I and the and Keep in mind, half the boys there are already realizing they're gay. So right. it was like you. It was I was like, oh, all the yeah. girls like I. You know, I was dating like the the popular girl, and I'm the lead in the play. I was like, I was the quarterback of the football team there. Right. And uh, I never wanted to leave. I would sob when it was time to leave. So once, um, because it was so close to Manhattan, two hours away, um, scouts would come up and uh, and look at the kids and see who really. Was, yeah.
0: Were there were there were there like a lot of like good actors there
1: well yeah plenty of other known actors besides me have gone there um 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 uh, robert Downey jr went there nally portman um josh charles mandy moore john cryer a lot of a lot of um so this
0: was a high level this was a known place
1: it's it's, it's still to this day the most known if you're if you're gonna send your kid to a to a program in the summer yeah
0: oh okay all right so the scouts come
1: the scouts come up and they see like hey is there any talent for me to recruit to send on auditions in manhattan and i got scouted and um a manager started submitting me for auditions in in
0: the city my parents How would old bring were you? me um 13 do you remember your first girlfriend's name
1: the first girl at camp was Lacey tucker i was i was just smitten <laughs> she was my first french kiss oh. and i didn't i didn't really know what was happening i knew that i knew that there was going to be tongue involved but i didn't really know what to do and she kind of yeah. took the lead yeah and there it was and it was yeah. glorious
0: yeah <laughs> The innocence of that first French kiss. Oh, and I remember like, the
1: bench, yeah. you know, because I've gone up since to um, to see, you know, my nieces and nephews go to the camp now, and I, yeah. I I've gone up and seen the bench. It's just like, oh, where
0: you had the French kiss?
1: Yeah, where the French kiss went down. It's oh, great. so does so it do any? It,
0: to, does it do anything? Do you, does nostalgia kick in?
1: Uh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm very emotional when I'm there because it was such a, it it was such a. It was heaven to me that place. I, I, sure. I was. It was an escape from the family drama I've told you about. It was an escape from anxiety. It was an escape from feeling. ults. I just didn't feel like I fit in at all at public school. And then I, when I was there, it was magical. And and then of course I'm like you said. I'm leaving out. I'm burying the lead. I was performing and getting laughs and um and going. This is just so intoxicating. I'm I'm in.
0: And when the manager took you on, what were you going out for? Did you get anything?
1: Oh, I mean, went out for like a lot of famous movies. I got callbacks on like um, Big and um, and um, um, Parenthood. Wow! I met. I remember reading meeting Ron Howard uh, for Parenthood because I got a number of callbacks. I met Oliver Stone for Born on the Fourth of July. Um, lots of things like this. Uh, I, I got. A, I actually got a film called The Good Son, and which was. It's going to change my life because it was a lead in the movie. And then the movie got shelved. They later made it with Elijah uh, Wood and, and um, Macaulay Culkin, I believe. Right. So a lot of things were happening. And then I got a pilot for CBS. Um, uh, Bruce Paltrow, who had created St. Elsewhere, um, made a pilot called uh, High, which was supposed to be like his, his big new show about a high school yeah. Right. and it was going to be gritty. It was the same year 90210 came out and 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 Bruce Paltrow's answer to that was no, we're going to do the opposite of the glossy soap opera version. We're going to do a gritty like Hill Street Blues but a high school in Jersey version. And um it was Gwyneth Paltrow's first job. She his she was his daughter and she was the beautiful cheerleader and I was the sort of nerdy freshman and um and we shot it in jersey and i couldn't believe it i thought my life was going to change and then they didn't pick it up and i was like what do you mean you're not picking it up i have a gift bag i have a gift basket
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it says i have a card that says welcome to the cbs family i didn't know that pilots didn't get picked up i thought i i thought wow, i was a so
0: that's like you had to learn like that's like you had to learn that
1: i learned that, it at 14
0: cuz like they they almost always never get picked up
1: yeah i didn't i didn't i remember not understanding how would you
0: how would you know
1: I didn't understand. And I was so yeah. high profile. It was like a big budget thing. And this was a famous showrunner. And I was like, what yeah. do you mean? I don't get it.
0: Yeah. How is this possible?
1: But I think it was such a blessing in disguise because I, 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 I would not have, have accomplished the things I've accomplished, I don't think, had I been a, like a full-fledged successful child actor.
0: No, pro- probably not. I mean, so what, what, what happened after that?
1: Uh, I kept auditioning for a bunch of things and then uh, I didn't really get much, kind of checked out a little bit. You know, it was, it was tough because I was a teenager and then it took, it would take me an hour to get in. I'd go sit in a waiting room. Sometimes I'd go in and be like, "Thank, thank you. And then it took an hour to get home while all my friends are hanging out and, and swimming in, in pools and, and pulling bong hits and hooking up with each other. I was on a New Jersey transit train going in for a 30-second audition. So I started to get a little demoralized by it. Then when I was 18, Woody Allen cast me in Manhattan Murder Mystery. I am in one scene in the film, um, but I play his and Diane Keaton's son. Um, and uh, And that was like, oh, shit, maybe I should be paying attention to this because i just got a i got it's a small part but i just got a part in a very high profile thing but i had gotten into northwestern film school so i had to choose okay fork in the road are you going to stay in manhattan and ride this you just got a part in a Woody allen movie or are you going to say fuck it and go off and study what i really wanted to do was study filmmaking and and acting at northwestern
0: and so that's what i did so you, you went there all four years
1: i went there four years yeah studied filmmaking made short films um just did anything, any anything, pretty much that wasn't um, filmmaking or acting related. I, I was mildly interested in. I mean, it was a liberal not, arts education, so I studied right. lots of things. I had to, but I and of course made amazing friendships and, and had had my first true love and all those wonderful college things. Um, but but really, um, you know, focused on filmmaking and making movies.
0: That's what you wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I think I kind of got clear. Like I had seen because I'd had this experience, I'd seen so many actors that were good, that were barely surviving. Sure. I had a I had an education because of my exposure um that showed me this is so such a fucking lottery. I mean, I'm right. I'm sitting next to these actors who are chain smoking, they need this pilot because they got to pay their mortgage. Yeah. And and I and I, it scared me. At a very young age it scared me, and I said right. I love to act and I want to act, but that's such a fucking lottery. I'm not investing in that. I'm going to invest in making my own stuff.
0: You really, you, you had that realization at what age?
1: In my teens.
0: Really? You were able to
1: see that? Oh, yeah, man. Because I would go do play readings... Um, you know you do play readings for anyone listening who doesn't know you know they're trying to see if they're gonna do this play they don't pay you anything you just go and right. you read the play I would go right. do that and as it, as it like let's say I was 15 years old and I'd sit across from an actor who was giving the performance in this play like I had never fucking seen another actor given my life and you'd never seen them and you never knew who they were and they had no money and that scared the shit out of me I was like right. this isn't a meritocracy yeah I mean, I always say, obviously, if you're genius, you've bought a lot of lottery tickets, and if you happen to be also good looking, you've bought even more lottery tickets. But right. it's still a fucking lottery, and I didn't want to be
0: reliant on that. No, it makes sense, but it's good that you had that realization young, right? So I knew if I if I got the education in
1: filmmaking and producing and making stuff, I'll always if I if my number doesn't come up as an actor, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll produce movies, I'll make movies, I'll I'll be a cinematographer I'll be a first AD I, I I will work in my my backup won't be being an orthodontist I knew that I was going to somehow be in production
0: Right and then but like when does how does scrubs happen that changes fucking everything right
1: Yeah well that's a bit of a jump I went um I went back to Manhattan after school and started PAing on on rap oh, videos So you you
0: uh, you made the movie before that huh
1: No 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 first I I went to Manhattan and started Doing what a lot of kids do out of film school. I was peeing, and this is the the height of video music videos. Right. So it's like this is like ninety seven. People are making like seven million dollar music videos. Right. And a lot of them are shooting in Manhattan. And I, I worked on a lot of those. And that kind of was a continuing education. I got to see production firsthand and be a grunt. Right. Um, kept auditioning, not much happening. Um And then my very first job I get as an actor is in the public theater in Manhattan's production of Macbeth with Angela Bassett, Alec Baldwin, Liev Schreiber... Michael C Hall. That's crazy. Yeah, George C Wolf directing, huge theater director. I've interviewed him. Oh, you sh- yeah, of course, he's a legend. And um so that was my first job and I I I I, I had really gotten a lot out of uh, Shakespeare in college. I had a professor that really opened my eyes to Shakespeare. So I I was I I had a great audition for George and my first job was playing the two young characters in in Macbeth. And I had a giant broadsword duel with Alec Baldwin
0: and um it was thrilling. Well, what was your experience at that? How old were you? Twenty.
1: I must have been right out of college, twenty-one.
0: Twenty-one, and you're dealing with Alec, and you're dealing with these huge actors. What? Yeah. You know, was it overwhelming? Or do, yeah. Were,
1: <laughs> Alec was scary. Alec's a scary fucking dude. Yeah. Um, he was always nice to me, but he was right. very intimidating.
0: Right. But and, I mean, uh, but to be to be operating at that level at that age, you're really in it at that point you must've thought like, well, acting's pretty good.
1: I, I, yeah, first of all, I'd never been paid. I mean, I've been paid a little bit for the kid things I'd done, but this was like, I I was fresh out of college and doing PA rate, which was like a hundred bucks a day. Yeah. So all of a sudden, even though it was theater, it was equity. It was like a a weekly check. I was, my self esteem shot up because I was like, not only am I in a play, but I'm getting a regular check for acting. This is cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, Lieb Schreiber is, uh, Inarguably, I think the best Shakespearean, American Shakespearean actor. Alec was great, don't get me wrong, but I think even he would say watching Liev play Banquo in the show was like grad school. Yeah. Because he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal Shakespearean actor. That was one of the coolest things I took from it, just getting to watch. I learned so much from watching him and Michael C. Hall, obviously. Then I started to get a little traction. I started, I, I did a little indie. Um, Called "Getting to Know You," then I did a film called "The Broken Hearts Club," uh, Greg berlani's first feature film. Uh-huh. Um, it was about a bunch of gay friends living in West Hollywood, and I, by this point, I'd moved. I'd followed a girl out to LA which was a debacle. And I was waiting tables at a French Vietnamese restaurant called Le Colonial. I remember that place. Yes. It's now, if you, if you know, um, where the Leica it's over, store like, is uh,
0: Beverly Hills, right? It's over yeah, on, do you uh... know where the
1: there's a giant Leica store that's, uh, Beverly and Roberts. Yeah yeah. 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 That, that used to be it.
0: Yeah. I remember it. Yeah.
1: And, uh, I, I wear a beige tunic and, um, and I was waiting tables there and, um, I was in broken hearts club, which was out at the sunset five and people, So would you had come. moved out here. I had moved out here. I, I followed the girl out here. But in my mind, it was kind of like, even if it doesn't work out with the girl, I'm starting to get momentum. I got two Indies under my belt. Like, I got to start making some moves. Um, but I got out here and was broke. So waiting tables like like all uh, broke actors do. and um, But my film, the Indie Broken Ice Club, was at the Sunset Five. And people would come from the movie theater, having seen the film, to the <laughs> restaurant for <laughs> drinks or dessert. And they'd do a double take. And they say we we just saw your movie and i'd yeah. say oh thank you and they say you you were great and i'd say yeah. well thank you let me let me tell you about our specials we yeah. have the <laughs> and it was so it was so incredibly humbling yeah and i i always say that you know only in hollywood can you go see a film and then have the star of the film wait on you for dessert sure and it was in this time where i where i uh, first auditioned for scrubs um and um and that that of course changed my life i didn't make garden state my first feature Until um, until uh, I think the second hiatus from from Scrubs.
0: Oh, yeah. You were in. It's so funny that the uh, that whole waiter story. There's a guy, a comic named Mark Cohen used to do a joke about living in uh, Hollywood and his parents came out to visit him. They'd be out to dinner. And his mom would say like i think that i think that waiter is potsy from happy days and mark Cohen, and, and mark Cohen goes no that can't be pot oh my god it is Potsy.
1: <laughs> that's true i mean i i uh i would have the most humiliating things mark where i would like go on a meeting and i'm a general meeting where i'm just talking to a producer and i'm blowing myself up because yeah. i'm talking about all the great things that are going on and yeah i can't believe it it's so exciting you're just fucking doing a dog and pony show and then I'd go to work, and I'd look, and they'd be like, I just sat at table 25, and it would be him and uh, his friends.
0: Ugh. And I'd be like,
1: fuck. And, th- and then it's awkward. He doesn't want to address it, so he gives a little smile, but I'm like pouring wine for him and his friends Ugh. after two hours earlier doing a general about how great my life is. Oh,
0: it's the worst. <laughs> and it's like, but you got, you know, you made it. <laughs> Like yeah, I remember, the, the one story time, has a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, I remember I had an, I had a fucking meeting uh, with somebody. I, I I don't know if it, was, it wasn't the Four Seasons, it was another hotel, and this was like you know m- you know like le- maybe ten years ago, or or less. And fucking Sebastian Maniscalco is waiting tables over there. And I and then I I knew he was a comic, but I didn't know he had that day gig. And now he's like one of the biggest comics in the world. So sometimes yeah. it ends okay. Yeah, there's I, plenty of happy endings. But
1: um, but I remember but that
0: moment of seeing him and knowing that you know this is just fucking hell.
1: I know so many you know listen. There's plenty of people uh, who don't have a happy ending to that to that tale, and I'm I, I'm very aware of how how lucky I am that I that I uh, yeah. It's not for the faint of heart. This this, fucking this hard town.
0: business. Yeah. So. All right so so you, but scrubs turns everything around to hit show and you do it forever but, the, yeah. but 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 mostly if in in if what you're saying is true and I'm not doubting you that it gave you the the wherewithal and and the momentum to make a movie which is yeah. what you wanted Yeah so the to first
1: part. thing that because of because of my h- hustler I'm going to fucking make it or or die trying mentality I went oh my god this show is going to be my ticket to having people take my my screenplay seriously Yeah so I I had I had I had the screenplay in pieces, but um i i i, I put it all together I, I really i really I really sat down once I got scrubs and took it seriously and said, You're a fucking idiot if you don't have a screenplay because this is come on, this is momentum I didn't know how long scrubs was gonna go
0: went well, on forever think, didn't it
1: well i I did nine years, yeah, but i mean i I don't, but, I, but who the hell ever thinks that's going to happen? I mean, that's right. that, it was unrealistic. I thought it could go two. I got to ride the wave. Um, so then, my my first hiatus, I did an, I did Shakespeare in the Park in New York, a, a production of Twelfth Night, and then um, whilst I was there, I wrote Natalie Portman a letter because I knew that she had done. Um, um the delacorte theater she had done a production of the seagull and i thought god natalie is my perfect person for this film i'm going to use this angle of we've both been in this in this worked in this theater i wrote her this very personal note sent her the scripts she loved it we met for coffee and then um she said yes which meant my second hiatus we were off to the races making making the movie
0: that's and you and there's some other pe- people that went on to pretty big careers in the movie too.
1: Yeah, Peter Sarsgaard and and, um, and Ian Holm who just passed away.
0: Um, I know Ian was the best,
1: wonderful man.
0: Wonderful oh my man. God! I bet I just watched uh, I just watched the Sweet Hereafter again. Jeez. Oh,
1: that's how I discovered him. Yeah, I mean that's no how he, that's how I he became known to me.
0: That movie is insane.
1: So dark. Do you like tragedy oh. like that? I, I, I really love a, a, a good tragedy.
0: Well yeah, I mean it's like I don't know how I saw it. I, I just saw it that there were how'd they get that they had one they must have had one take on that school bus shot. How many times yeah. could they
1: Sometimes you, know you only, I, sometimes you just gotta roll five cameras on it and hope something good
0: happens. I mean they couldn't rebuild they couldn't get the ice back up on that lake. There's no fucking way, man. <laughs> it's like it's like Buster <laughs> Keaton in the general. They're only blowing that bridge once.
1: But I love uh I love I'm really in you know, it's funny people um think of me i think a lot of for 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 comedy cuz of scrubs or romantic comedy cuz of garden state um but i i'm very often drawn to to writing and appreciating darker fare and the thing i'm writing now is is a pretty dark tragedy really maybe but maybe it's because of all the i mean i not maybe of i, well, I, we're I living it's what's it. what's what's coming out of me you know i uh um i think that it's what's uh uh, I once had an amazing uh, singer write, write a song for my film and it wasn't exactly right. And I tried to give him some notes and he said, Zach, I got to be honest with you. It's just in, in this day and age, in this moment, after watching your film, that's what came out of me. And I, I've been feeling that with this thing I've been writing is that um, it's, it's kind of what came out of me during this, during this period.
0: Well, it's good that you're, being, you're able to generate at all. I'm trying,
1: I'm trying. It takes, it takes ass. It takes work getting my ass in the, it takes ass. It takes work and ass getting my ass in the chair.
0: I mean, I've talked to, you know, other, you know, writers who, you know, uh, I have one friend who's a big shot and it's like, it's, he's having a hard time. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to reflect because we're almost, we're still in the trauma. Right,
1: (laughs) right. But (laughs) for me, for me, I feel like I gotta, I have, I gotta do it because I don't, there's, I can't, allow myself the distraction of not working on it because there's just so much time for me to be sitting here and staring at the cursor. So I you beat to, yourself up? I do. I'm very hard on myself, yeah, because I want to, I don't want to for this to, I am a writer, but it's hard for me to write. I find it to be the hardest of the of the things. I hate would, it. Yeah, it's very hard. Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan uh, apparently once said, uh, being a writer is signing up to have homework for the rest of your life. And uh, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like, I always but, have I mean, homework. Uh,
0: but you brought you know Garden State together. You pulled it. You know, you you found your your backers. You and the movie did well. It was a personal movie. You know, yeah, like it, it was great. And the, I mean, I remember the soundtrack was huge.
1: Yeah, I won a Grammy.
0: Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and then you just kept going with that TV show. Did that Did that get to a point where you'd had enough of that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Right. I I, I mean, in fact, I loved it. And Donald Faison, who was my co-star, and we actually are doing a a podcast now called Fake Doctors, Real Friends, because it's been- I just saw
0: him in a movie.
1: um, Remember the Titans or Clueless?
0: No, a new movie with, I don't think it's out yet, with uh, Dorf.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, He's got a new film with Stephen Dorf coming out.
0: I just watched it. Dorf sent it to me. It's called uh, Embattled, I think. Was it good? He plays, yeah, I liked it. He plays uh, a vet.
1: Yeah, he's amazing. He's my best friend in the world, and so we, we kind of like during the during quarantine and and everything said. Well, we 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 have a lot of free time on our hands. Let's go back and watch the episodes and talk about them and joke about them and kind of tell old stories. So we've been um, we've been doing that, and it's reminding me of how much fun it was and 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 all and and all the nostalgia. But of course, after nine years, I was definitely over it because I just felt like. I started to see us all recycling jokes and leaning yeah. into jokes, and um, and it's it's hard because the money is ridiculously intoxicating. But I felt like I, I want to do other things.
0: But you did do another movie, and you did other things.
1: Yeah, I've made I've I've made three. I've directed three features. Um, Two since. of them were yours. Two of them I'd written. One uh, one called "Wish I Was Here." I wrote with my brother Adam. Um, and how that, did you
0: finance that?
1: Oh, you go vault. Um, that one I got in a bit of a, uh, a pickle because it someone presented me the idea of trying to crowdfund like half of it uh-huh and this was right at the beginning of kickstarter being on everyone's radar and um and I and I said okay that's kind of cool like what if we what if we did that what if we didn't have a studio and I put in my own money and and we get a financier to put in a little bit of money but then like half the money is comes from promising these incentives set visits and t-shirts and merch and posters and signed everything and and um we uh, it became very controversial i became i think i was the first known actor director to do it and it became it was so successful it, it funded beyond what we asked for in in 24 hours right that that there was instant backlash saying you shouldn't you as a known entity shouldn't be using this Right. Uh, this should be for people who who have no other means, um, and it became a, I, I unfortunately or fortunately I guess became the face of the debate. Should should people um, who have uh, fan bases be allowed to participate in crowdfunding campaigns?
0: That's and where wh- where did that land?
1: Um, well, I, I think after uh, people weighed in enough, nobody nobody really does it you know i was on the cover of variety being like is this the new wave of financing um and and not many people i think have ever done it since because of the amount of 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 uh, antagonism there was for the very idea um which then hurt the film i think because i think that people judge the film as like oh that's that half crowdfunded movie um Wow, I, and, and it, it was it was a bit of a bummer because I I really am proud of the film, but not a lot of people
0: saw it. Well, I'm sorry, buddy, and I.
1: <laughs> it's okay. It was years ago.
0: So, and then the one you directed after that, going inside so
1: yeah. So then I got hired. Then I had my first big studio come to me and be like, "Hey, we loved that movie, and we loved Garden State. Do you, do you ever think about directing like a big ass studio movie?" And I was like, "Go on, go on," and it was. Um, a remake of uh of a George Burns movie called Going in Style and it was uh Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine and Alan Arkin um starring as as three seniors who rob a
0: bank. Well, I remember the original. I remember you know what I remember the most out of that movie what? is that that medium shot of Schrapsburg having the heart attack on the bench. Yeah. It's almost like a long shot, right? Am I yeah. remembering it right? And you yeah, just I see that. him. Like-
1: you know, uh Ted Ted Melfi wrote the script, uh great screenwriter and he didn't there's not a ton that's that's still from the original i mean other than the concept of three seniors who were sort of fucked over by society and by the system um get go go rob a bank and our ours, ours was able to fold in all this you know current day conversation about um you know uh, corporations you know canceling pensions and, and and the bank has their money and they don't want any they don't want to steal a dime more than the pension that's owed to them and um, right it was great, man. I got to I got to make a big ass action heist movie in in Manhattan and Brooklyn, and um, and I think it's I think it's really funny.
0: But was the experience? I mean, it's a lot to manage, I guess. But the experience of shooting your own movies, I guess you just sort of like you know keep your cool, and you've got your DP, and you focus on what needs to be done. You get, you, it's all about the sort of community that you build around the production, right?
1: Right, and taking one day at a time because you gotta you can't if you think about making a, a big action movie with three seniors in in the height of summer in Manhattan, um, it is impossible if you look at the whole thing. (laughs) We have, you know, everywhere Morgan Freeman walks, there's paparazzi following him and fans. And so it's not, it's it's advanced filmmaking, uh, making an action movie in Manhattan in the summer with celebrities. (laughs) Right. So you just got to go, okay, what is today? And you put blinders on. Okay, fuck. And then now what is this morning? Right. And 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 if you just keep making it smaller, 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 and if you ignore the fact that you have a huge crew and ignore the fact that you have celebrities, and you just go, okay, the first more this this morning we're going to make a short film, and the short film is called this scene, and that's how you kind of got That's how I approach it. I just kind of it's keep- like
0: applied OCD. That's like yeah, you know, <laughs> the-
1: exactly. Small yeah. It's it's ritual to yeah. to uh, to make it handleable.
0: Right. Exactly. I did watch uh, the new movie, The Comeback Trail. Yeah, and uh, is that based on another movie? Um,
1: Very loosely, uh, George Gallo, who you know, who made Midnight Run and is is sold more screenplays than anybody in Hollywood, is sort of an action comedy writing legend. Yeah, um, saw a years, years, and years ago at a festival. He saw like a super low budge version of the concept of yes. Right and 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 said to himself, "Man, this is not well executed, but what a concept!" And it always stuck with him. And uh, he went on and had years and years of his career, and then and then and then ran into the wi- the widow of the man who'd made the film randomly, and said, "Oh my God, I never stopped thinking of that film. Do you mind? Would you be would you honor with me with the rights so I could, could so I could write a, a sort of." Big budget action comedy version of it, and she said, "I'd love be honored." So he did just that, and then he cast uh, Robert De Niro, Morgan Freeman, um, Tommy Lee Jones, and um, and me, shockingly. So uh, that's what this is. This is a this is something I've never really done, which was to be cast. You know, I did the TV show Forever. I've done my own films. I've done some smaller films. Yeah, I, I've never been like in a big movie where with where i'm one of the lead i mean it's basically me and de niro through most of the movie as you saw
0: right and and now was that something you you didn't go out for it that was offered to you
1: no george really liked me as a as an actor and liked my stuff and and um and i got a call one day saying george gallo wants to meet you at his house and, and talk about this script and i was like go on they're like yeah de niro's attached and um and just read it. And I would have gone, I would have ran over there if it was two scenes. Yeah. One scene. But I'm flipping through the script and I'm on fucking every other page. So I'm like, is this, are you sure this is the character? Right. <laughs> so he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, do I have to read? I'll read. You know, as an actor, you're like, this is a big part with De Niro. I'll audition for this if they want me. Like, no, no. He just wants to talk to you. Went over his house, cracked up, made him laugh, yeah. start talking about movies, stop talking about Hollywood. And uh, he goes, look, I want, I want you to do it. There's a, the only thing you got to do is look. Bob happens to be in town, and uh, and you know, I know you met Bob. I had met Bob like so, you know, socially once or twice. But, yeah. Um, he said Bob just kind of wants to talk to you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go and meet Bob for coffee, and uh, I'm so fucking nervous. My palms are sweating, thinking about it. And I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And he just of, he's like, you know, we, he had met before actually he knew Jessica because uh, Jessica Kirsten all circles back to Jessica was his, uh, advisor, coach for, co- yeah. coach for the, for the comedian, the movie comedian. Yeah. And, um, so we talked about Jessica. We talked about, did the he other know time- that
0: going into it though? Or did you tell yeah. him that? How yeah. He knew. yeah. He
1: knew. I, well, that was my ace in the hole. I was gonna, I was gonna be like, Hey, you know, we've met before, but you know, Jessica who's, you know, Jessica has become like his, his good buddy um they've stayed friendly so anyway couldn't have gone better we we laugh we shoot the shit and then as we're walking out he goes all right well i'll see you on set and i was like holy shit i think i just got this big ass movie (laughs) so we go down to albuquerque new mexico and that's where uh, i grew up really Hmm? it's uh it's quite a quite a place
0: uh people uh, i i don't know that people always get the best impression of it i didn't i
1: didn't necessarily have the best impression of it I, i think it's i think it's felt like it was on hard times
0: it's a little beat up yeah so you shot the whole movie in new mexico yeah whole film
1: shot in new mexico um and um and it was a blast and i got to know him and and work with him and really had to give myself pep talk after pep talk like dude you cannot be intimidated by this being de niro like you have to i don't know if that's ever happened to you when you're working with someone you really admire and you kind of like pretend this is somebody it's not a living legend.
0: It's weird. I did one scene with him in The Joker and you know, but I was on set for like a week, you know, mm-hmm. watching him. But I had one walk and talk and a scene with him. Yeah, I remember. I know he became very human to me very quickly. I I maybe it's just because I interview so many people. But like, you know, I, I, I definitely within you know, half an hour, I'm like, oh, this is, this is this guy, Robert De Niro. He's the greatest actor ever, but this is who he is now, and this yeah. is his process. Is What's very, you know, sort of humanizing in my very brief experience with him anyways was to, to just sort of watch his process at this point. Like, because you make all these assumptions about somebody's process when you watch your movies growing up. You know, but you know, as an older actor, you know what it takes for him to get the stuff in his head and the kind of the process of that. You're like, he, you know, you you really st- you start to see him, or I did anyways, as a guy who does the job, and and he's just he's the guy. You know, yeah. didn't that happen? Yeah, I think he was
1: way. I think people don't can't imagine how. I found him very shy. Very. And every I was with him for a whole movie, so day by every day on a graph, you could I could feel him warming up to me. By the end, right. we were texting each other and making each other sending each other funny shit on the internet. <laughs> yeah. and, and I've been to dinner at his house since, and and, uh, and and now we become friendly. But I I was taken aback by how he would be sitting in, in off in his chair, um, not really talking to anyone, reading right. a book or, or on his phone. And then he'd come to set, and he would call action, and there was De Niro, and he'd come to life, and he was intense, and he was amazing, and brilliant, and going forward, and and saying, "Keep the camera rolling. I want to go again. I want to go again." And then they go cut, and he'd kind of just quietly go back to his chair and pick up his book. And I, yeah, I I was I was I was surprised by that that he wasn't like he didn't he wasn't he was quiet and
0: shy. But it is true the the way those guys can turn it on and the control they have over, you know, I've become very aware of people's faces. Guys that are great at it have this amazing consciousness of their face.
1: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I think I think what, what, what a lot of film actors who aren't great at it don't know is that so many times we as directors just need a shot of you looking out the window. Reacting. I just need, yeah, you're trying to do too much. I, I My girlfriend and I watched... Um, you know, lots of films and TV, and we're we're saying to each other like, "Oh, he's, I wish someone had told him or her to just do less," because you can tell the person has talent, but they haven't been directed to to trust that the camera's going to take them
0: seventy five percent of the way there. It. They over yeah. they. She's the actress, right?
1: Yes, she's a uh, Florence Pugh. She's a phenomenal actress.
0: What did I just see her in?
1: Um, she just did. Um, Little Women? Oh yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: She's great, yeah.
1: And um she's um she's the co star with Scarlett Johansson in the new Black Widow movie.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. She's, she's doing well. Good man. <laughs> well, that was great seeing you in the movie. Fun movie. Thank you. Thank you. You know what's amazing? You know, you know who's like really kind of like surprising in that movie in a way, is uh he's always good, but Tommy Lee Jones, I mean that you know, that part was like He's one of those guys where you know you put the camera on him and he knows exactly how to play it on the, yeah. with the face, you know?
1: Yeah. He has such a face. He's one of those guys where you, you look at Tommy Lee Jones in person and you go, Okay, that's 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 Tommy Lee Jones. I, I know he that's what he looks like. And then you yeah. look at the monitor when he's on screen and you're just like, Holy shit, that's a movie star. He's got movie star face, you know? <laughs> yeah. With that with that yeah. talk about talk about facial expressions.
0: Right. And even, but De Niro too, but like De Niro's playing this kind of schleppy guy, which I like to see him do, but there's a couple of um, uh, monologues in there when, when he, when that scene between you, the three of you, when he opens up on Tommy Lee and gives him the, tells him like, you know, what he's going to do. Like, you're not going to kill yourself. You're going to go to bed. That whole thing. Uh, Yeah. I mean, watching, I'm, I'm there. I'm blessed enough to be sitting there watching. In the middle of it. I'm you literally
1: are. in the middle watching Tommy Lee Jones and De Niro scream at each other. I mean, it's my <laughs> dream come true. I can't believe it. And how about that scene in the hospital where I have to berate and, and slap De Niro? I yeah. mean, that was one of the coolest things I ever did in my career. I mean, I, I was just I was that was one of the big ones I gave myself a pep talk to. Like, I know this is De Niro and I know that you're gonna slap him across the face and scream at him, but you just gotta pretend this is John Smith actor and do right. not be in your head about because then then De Niro re, then De Niro is going to react to me and he's going to, I'm going to, it's like playing tennis. He's going to be rise to the occasion. know right.
0: Yeah? right. And how many times did you have to do it?
1: Oh, I did. I, we, we, we did that Covered scene for all, you know, all day. Yeah. All right. Day. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, but you know, it's the first scene in the movie where he's watching me. Right. I'm, right. I'm driving that scene. And yeah, I was yeah. just like, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted Bob to be proud of me. I was not going to yeah. fucking leave anything on the floor. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> was he? Oh yeah, you know, he's in his own little way, a little pat on the back. Like, good,
0: oh good, good. good, good. good, good Cuz you know, it's interesting too, I guess working with those guys. It's like they've worked with a, you, know, a, you know, dozens of young actors in all different types right. of parts. You know, they've seen them come and go and they're like the they're like the mountain and then they see yeah. these you know, these guys come up the mountain. So it, it is it's, it must have been a really uh, I wanted exciting his,
1: I wanted his approval so badly. I wanted him to 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 think i was good
0: it sounds like he did it sounds yeah. like he, you I guys are he friends
1: did. yeah yeah i think i mean I,
0: I think if he didn't like your work he wouldn't have you to the house for dinner no nah, do you? you don't
1: have a bad actor over to dinner come on <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right buddy it was great talking thank to you, you man. so
1: much it's an honor man I, I, I really love your work and i and i love your podcast and i i just think you're a, a really a special human being and i i, I appreciate you having me on
0: Oh, I appreciate you doing it. What's your podcast called again?
1: My podcast is called Fake Doctors, Real Friends. And uh, it's me and Donald uh, rewatching Scrubs and telling old stories.
0: Oh that's a, that's the new racket to get the you know you guys can't have the rights to scrubs but you can tell the stories. You can tell all the stories and
1: you can um and you can uh, more importantly we 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 use we use the episodes as a guide it's kind of perfect for us because neither one of us were stand-ups or anything but if we have this if we have the material to reference of, right. of a, a half hour of comedy We can reference those jokes, but then go off on these long-ass tangents about other shit. And it's perfect for us.
0: Well, great. Well, uh, best of luck with it, man. All right. Thank you. It was great seeing you. Thanks, Mark. Take it easy. All right. Bye. That was fun, right? Zach, touching, nice, good talk, good guy, decent fella. All right. He's in the comeback trail with Robert De Niro, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, and Morgan Freeman. Sometime next year, you'll see that movie. He hosts the podcast, Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Okay? All right. Let's play a little. The top of the top and the Fonda, cat angels everywhere.